Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I'm really excited to share this story with Dave. I do want to apologize for my audio quality on my end. I actually recorded this with a, a mic I thought I bought on Amazon, then tested it or used it with this interview with Dave, then realizing that my audio quality wasn't that good. Thankfully, because of this interview, I ended up buying the same mic that Dave uses. You'll see that his quality is so much better, and that's where you've heard some previous episodes with my new mic. Um, this episode was recorded uh, several months ago before I got that mic. So hopefully you guys enjoy. I really love Dave's story where if you guys are looking for some inspiration and the thought process and the mindset that you need to get something that you've always wanted to do, such as writing a book, you know, maybe start painting, um, just doing something that has just been lingering. Listen to Dave's story. He's super, super inspiring. Thank you guys so much. And I'll see you guys on the next episode. Hey, everybody. This is Eric Chen of the Y Factor podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I am super excited for our guest today. I have Dave Jennings all the way from Ohio, and I would love to have you introduce yourself and, uh, and we'll get the show started. Absolutely. So I, uh, I'm DL Jennings. Uh, I, my friends call me Dave, but, uh, I'm a little more well known for my book gift of the shaper, which is, uh, an award-winning debut fantasy novel that just came out in, uh, in February of, uh, actually of, uh, February, 2018. And, uh, I was in the military for uh, 14 years. I was in the Air Force working under Special Operations Command, uh, AFSOC, as most people call, uh, most people know it as. And uh, I found out during one of my deployments that uh, basically I got this. I have a knack for writing, um, and Gift of the Shaper was a product of my two years of work, uh, mostly while on deployment. Um, and it turns out that uh, that I got a little writing in me. So uh, it was a very fun process. For- figuring out uh, how to become a writer. Yeah, no, it's absolutely amazing. And, and part of the, the reason why I wanted you on the show is just because, you know, I think somebody, you know, or people in this day and age, like there's always something really cool, you know, whether it's to start their own business or start their own YouTube channel and, or write a book. I think before all of the, these media channels came out to become a YouTuber, become a, a Instagram influencer, like writing a book, I think maybe because of like, Harry Potter, right? It's like, oh, well, like, I want to write a book. And that was kind of the dream. But a lot of that in itself requires a lot of hard work and dedication for something like that to go into it, not knowing if it's going to go well or dealing with potential criticism. Uh, But I wanted to bring you on just because I think your story is absolutely amazing. And funny enough, I discovered you just by a post on Imager uh, within one of my friends' Facebook group. Uh, shout out to Josh Fector for bringing you uh, or putting your, your content out into that Facebook group. So I had discovered you read your story and I, I thought it was a very interesting story of how everything came to be. I mean, you touched upon it a little bit, uh, writing this book while serving and thank you so much for your service as well. Um, Thanks for your you support. Know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so I love to just kind of take a dive into um, when you even decided or figured out that you were good at writing, right? I mean, part of that post, and I'm pretty sure I'll post that imager onto the the website as well, but pretty much the like idea of um, 
like the people who spend their free time playing video games like at the base or during your guys free time versus like you know what i am i'm gonna write can you tell or share more about that absolutely man and it was a journey to be sure um but yeah like i was uh the first time that i started writing what would become gift of the shaper uh i never written anything before that was my first attempt at uh anything longer than like some angsty poetry that i posted to live journal in the late 90s so uh (laughs) it was definitely uh it was and it was a new experience uh, but basically how it came about was I was, like I mentioned, I was working under AFSOC, which is under the U.S. SOCOM or Special Operations Command, as anyone who's played uh, SOCOM Navy SEALs is going to tell you. And we basically, my career field in the Air Force was one of, I think, the two uh, most deployed career fields in the entire Air Force. Basically, it meant uh, we were deploying at a one-to-one ratio, which meant if you were gone for three months, you were home for three months. And then you went back out for that same amount of time. We were gone a whole lot, and uh, I ended up doing 11 deployments in total over my 14-year career, So, and which speaks to you about like exactly how much I was gone, because uh, about three of those years were training. Um, I wasn't even a- eligible to deploy. So mm-hmm. um, basically, on my, let's see, I think it was about my seventh deployment or something like that, um, I was deployed to a remote part of East Africa. And point uh, at that base, it was very small, minimally manned, and had basically almost no internet connection. So you were stuck with the books that you traveled in with, uh, maybe a laptop. I didn't bring a laptop with me then. And uh, I had my iPad with me. And basically, I decided at that point, you know, I, I got bored out of my mind playing Candy Crush for the thousandth time. So I was like, you know what? I think there has to be a, a better use of my time. I sat down and I got to thinking, what can I do that's productive? And I grew up as a fan of J.R.R. Tolkien, C.S. Lewis, like, I mean, you know, the Chronicles of Narnia, Lord of the Rings, like those, those shaped my early years. Um, And I was thinking to myself, all right, well, you know, uh, they say, write what you know. I know fantasy. I'd been reading it since I was nine or 10. So I thought, all right, maybe I'll have a crack at this, uh, at this writing thing. So I basically, I took the Stephen King, method, which is just write. He's a, he's a discovery writer and he tells his, uh, he basically recommends you got a story inside of you, sit down and just start telling it. So I did exactly that. And, uh, basically I just used my spare time and deployments to start writing the story, which became gift of the shaper. So how, how long did it take you to even get your first draft up and running? Man, well, it's funny because basically as a discovery writer, I, I pretty much had a, uh, once I was done writing the the first draft, once I finished the entire manuscript, that was basically, uh, that was like a two-year process. It, t- it took me just two years to get the uh, the whole thing written on a, on a piece, on, on my iPad, actually. Uh, about 95% of the book, I think, I wrote on my iPad. Um, so that two years consisted of going through, I write by chapters. So I sit down and I'm like, all right, this, this particular character is going to do this thing. And I have, uh, basically a beginning and an end of a chapter. So it sort of follows like an arc. And as I'm going along in the book, I'm, I'm discovering the story. I'm like, okay, well maybe this thing can happen here. Maybe this twist will happen here. Um, so basically I, it's a very slow process. Um, getting all your thoughts into paper, getting them organized, and making sure 
everything fits together. But by the two-year period, uh, basically, um, I had written a first draft, and then I was free to go back and kind of edit that, and you know, uh, and and basically make tweaks as necessary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so basically two years, and then like you you mentioned earlier with with your constant deployment or your one-to-one ratio deployment, like you'd be sent home and then back out into the field at any point in time where did you have like gap periods where you weren't writing or did you find yourself to be very consistent um, during those two years? I absolutely did. And it's funny because most of my writing uh, was done while I was deployed and it was basically on, you know, uh, punctuating the periods of boredom. And I was pretty much like, oh man, I got nothing to do. Um, So my job takes, the job that I was doing at the time takes place on a plane and uh, it basically like you, uh, you'll take off and then you'll have your transition where you're just flying to the place that you're going to be working. And then that, that takes, uh, about three or uh, the place where you're working, you're called your orbit is uh, usually about three or four hour period. And then you go back home. Well, in East Africa, where I was deployed to the transit to our orbit took about an hour, hour and a half easily. So that was, uh, that was time when I was just either uh, reading a book or doing my writing. So uh, I, again, like uh, trying to be as productive as possible, I would pull out my iPad and I'd just start writing. Um, but I forgot the question. And the, well, the, and the times that you, you went home or like, were you writing consistently as well? Or just <laughs> only when you're just at the pinnacle of boredom where you <laughs> your iPad back up? Yeah, pretty much. So uh, I would write when I was at home, but uh, not nearly as much as I would when I was deployed. Uh, and especially, really, the the reason for that was uh, a lot of times when I was working at home, you know, when I was stateside, uh, I'd come back from working all day and I just wouldn't have the mental energy to keep writing. Um, you know, it was like, uh, it was. it's really hard uh, writing for me. Uh, like I said, when I write in chapters, um, basically sometimes it'll take me like three or four hours to get a good chapter done. Uh, cause I sit down and I don't just boom, go through it once and then I'm done. Um, I'll go through it, I'll write it. And then I go back to see what I've written and then I go through that again. And then if I, uh, maybe it takes a second or third time, I'll go back through it again. Uh, basically like I'll do that as many times as necessary until I feel like I don't need to change a word or tweak a sentence or add some information. Um, I like my chapters be complete by the time I'm done with them, which makes, uh, having a first draft of a book a lot easier, but it's also very time consuming. So, uh, that was basically why I chose to write while deployed instead of, uh, at home. Yeah. So were there any points in time that like, whether it's in the beginning of, of your journey or middle of the way through writing your book, you're like, well, you wanted to quit. You're just like, well, what am I doing? Um, you know, stopping points of just like, this is like, yeah, this is fun. Or you have writer's block, like any points in time uh, of that happening? Yeah, I'd say early on, um, especially very early on when I was like, you know, uh, so the book is 56 chapters now, uh, as it stands. And I, I'd say maybe five or 10 chapters in, uh, I was kind of like, what am I doing with this? Where am I going? I don't have a chance of getting this published. Why, why am I doing this, essentially? And it, 
I think the one thing that really sort of kept me going was a very, very, I think it was a stroke of luck, but at the same time, uh, I think it was uh, FDR who said, luck is just uh, when preparation meets, I don't know, I, I don't remember the other end of the equation, but, uh, yeah. you know, I sent uh, a couple of the chapters to my friend, Nicole, who I knew was, uh, she'd worked in the publishing industry before. I think she was an, an editor uh, at her time when she lived in London. Uh, now, Nicole's name comes first in my acknowledgments for this very reason. Uh, she read the chapters that I wrote. She picked out some of the passages that she really enjoyed. And she wrote me back in an email and she said, Dave, this is really good. Uh, and she was like, I'm, I'm taking off my, um, my fan, my fan hat basically as like, I'm, I'm friends with you and, um, putting it aside and I'm being objective here. Uh, and she said, if I was a fantasy agent, I would eat this up. And I remember the words so clearly from her email because I was like, are you serious? This is like what I'm writing is actually good. Um, <laughs> and every time I thought about quitting, uh, I remembered her email, and I, w I actually had, st had starred it in my, uh, in my email, in my inbox, so I could go back and look at it again and again and again, um, because I knew that what I was writing was something good and something worthwhile. Yeah, so, so Nicole basically uh, ended up being your shining star and a motivation that you needed in order to keep the book going, right? Absolutely. So in terms of, uh, I mean, acknowledge or motivation, I think a lot of people, even if, even if people had that motivation to get started on something, they're also too afraid to even share what they're working on. And they keep it a secret. Like, I need to get this to uh, a certain point before I can even share it or that it's going to be good enough for someone. I'm like, how did you decide that, you know, like, oh, I, I do want to share this with, with a friend or who's in the industry to give you that criticism or the critique? Well, Nicole was the one person that I, she was like a, one of three people who I called my brain trust, um, who, who basically even knew that I was writing this thing. Uh, the other one was my brother. He's about two years younger than me. And he, uh, he would be our dungeon master when we would play a, uh, Dungeons and Dragons. So I yeah. knew that he had a mind for fantasy as well. Uh, and the third person was, uh, one of my friends, uh, a girl, Mary, who I, I went to uh, DLI with, I learned Korean, she learned Chinese. And she was one of my really good, really trusted friends uh, who also was big into the fantasy genre. And those three people were really the only people that I shared it with at all until I was basically almost done. Um, I made a Facebook post when I, when I wrote the words, the end. Um, and basically, you know, I took a screenshot of the word count and said, I did it. I, I wrote a novel and all my friends were like, what you did, you, you, you what? So, cause like nobody knew, but, uh, to be able to, uh, really to share that with Nicole, um, I'm not sure what prompted me to do it. I think it was just because it was, it was sort of like a spur of the moment thing. It was like, Hey, uh, I know Nicole and I have, uh, we'd exchanged emails about books and stuff like that, uh, before. So it was like, I had this idea in the back of my mind to maybe send her some of the chapters and see what she thinks, because I know she was working in editing or, or you know, so I thought maybe, Hey, uh, why not give this a shot? So I did. Amazing. So, I mean, do you, do you, is this one of those things is I, I hear this a lot, right? And this is including myself where, you know, when, when you're younger, 
you always in the back of your head, like, oh, I want to start a business or I'm going to own my own business or be an entrepreneur. And for me, I, I do look back at and my journey and my upbringing as well, where my dad, he he went from corporate and then, you know, ran his own company as well for a duration. And, you know, that was the, the exposure that I had. It's like, wow, like my dad does business and I that's what I want to do when I grew up kind of thing. Right. And is this is this something that was always in the back of your head? That, like you want to write a book? Or this like happened literally two, three years ago when you're already over 25, 30 years old and you're just like, yeah, this is what I'm going to do. It's nothing that you really thought of back you know, before. <laughs> no, I had never considered it ever until I yeah. started writing the book. It, was, uh, it wasn't even something that I was planning on doing. Um, I had planned to go uh, 20 years and retire in the Air Force um, it, and it never even had a second thought about, uh, you know, straying from that path when I was in. Um, and, you know, like I said, I, I just kind of had this idea to, uh, to start writing and I went on it and, uh, it's actually kind of, uh, I guess it's a little funny. I wouldn't say ironic cause I don't think it's actually irony, but, uh, my dad is actually a writer too, but he writes business books. So he's actually a, a best-selling author. He wrote a book called The Serving Leader. And I got, to, I got the chance to work on uh, a book with him called House on Fire, which is it's coming up. And it's really cool because I got the opportunity to write some, uh, some battles, like some military battle scenes. Basically, um, I helped develop a backstory for his main character and who was a, who was a medic in like uh, Iraq and Afghanistan. So I took kind of my knowledge of special operations and, uh, you know, how, how those things go down, uh, all the terminology, the nomenclature. I threw that together. I made a character and I sent him the draft of these, you know, couple chapters. And he was like, he was like, Dave, this is the best part of the book. <laughs> sort of felt bad for outshining him. But, um, yeah, so my dad is, I, I, I don't, uh, you know, he, he says that, uh, writing is genetic and he gets his talent from kids. Um, and <laughs> because he, he does not have, um, and you know, I, I, uh, my dad's a, a brilliant man and, but he does not have the, uh, the capacity for writing fantasy or like dialogue. Mm -hmm. He is a brilliant businessman and he, you know, obviously he wrote a bestseller, a bestselling business book. Um, but he, he was just struggling to write uh, dialogue. And uh, I don't know if that's a product of, because I grew up reading fantasy and he grew up reading M Michael Lewis, Boomerang or something like just business books, M Malcolm Gladwell, whatever. But um, yeah, I mean, for me, it was, it was never a question of, okay, I'm going to grow up and I'm going to be a, a, a writer or an author. Uh, that had never crossed my mind until I started writing this book. Yeah. Would you, would you say, I mean, the three people that helped you along the journey of the book, like, were they pretty positive when they heard, or at least say like your brother, right? Growing up with him, when you told them about the book, did he's like, oh yeah, right. Like it's not going to happen. Or was he pretty encouraging uh, about it? He was really encouraging. And in fact, I, I emailed, uh, I, I referred to them as the brain trust. Uh, and I, I called them that regularly when I would address them in emails. I was like, hey guys, I'm struggling with a plot point here. Uh, what do you think about this? Can I, can I have a suggestion here? Um, or what do you think about this character arc or this particular, this way that the story is going to go? Um, and they were all really supportive of me. They were like, I like this idea, but I think this one would be better. Um, which was a very 
important part of the feedback process. Um, and they were, uh, I, so I didn't know about uh, beta readers, which is something I, I went to, uh, I learned about after I finished writing the book. But uh, yeah, after I wrote it, which great. Yeah, wonderful. Uh, I could have used uh, some beta readers during the process, but um, they were essentially my, um, you know, it was like the, uh, the Inklings was the group that uh, Tolkien and uh, C.S. Lewis were a part of in, in, in England. And it was like their, their group of writers um, would sit around and share their stories and share ideas and talk and give feedback. Um, and the Brain Trust was basically my, my Inklings. Um, which was incredibly useful to me because I would just be stuck. And I was like, I don't know where to go with this. I'm not sure what to do here. Do you guys have any ideas? And sometimes they would help me uh, to kind of untie that knot, which was exactly what I needed. Yeah. Would you, would you say that, I mean, you, did you ever find yourself like, oh, I don't want to bother my friends about this? Or you're like, I, by all means, I'm just going to keep you know throwing this at them in order to get that feedback, in order to keep pushing through or they're they're very open to it like a, you know for me like i whenever i'm working on business stuff it's like yeah i have friends who offer their help or assistance right but it's like oh i don't feel like i need to bother them all too much uh, with it or the, the you know challenges that i'm going through i think it, it was uh it would go both ways sometimes there was uh, there was a lot of times where I would say to myself, all right, I'm not going to bother with them with this because it's too trivial. But there were other times where I was just like, I need your help. And I'd break down and I'd send it to them. But, uh, you know, writing ironically is a very solitary activity, but it takes feedback from other people to do it. It's like it, it takes a village to raise a child and it takes much more than that to write a good book. Anybody can write a book by themselves, but it takes more than one person to write a good book. Uh, which I hope I've done, and it it falls on people, not just uh, not just people like you know my my inner circle, my three close friends, but people like editors and people like beta readers too uh, to really make a good book. Yeah, I mean, winning an award already, you know, says says it right. I mean, that's it's just the beginning. That's, that's very well. true. I mean, how how would you define this whole brain trust concept? Like, is this something that you you kind of knew or just? that that was a strategy or just naturally came through to know that you wanted to you know, trust your close friends or like, how did, how did you even come up or call it a brain trust? Like where did this concept come from? Yeah, it was definitely, a, it, it, it evolved very naturally. Uh, and I think it was because, and I, I chose them based on certain uh, qualities that they had. Like I mentioned my brother was uh, very attuned to fantasy. He, in, in my opinion, he's the better storyteller out of the two of us. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I texted him tonight. I was like, Hey man, it's not too late to start on that book of yours. If you, uh, <laughs> it was funny cause I found some of his, uh, you know, I just moved in to my new place in, in, uh, in South Florida and I was going through some of my boxes and I found two notebooks of his that had, uh, they were like Dungeons and Dragons campaigns and it was about 10 or 15 pages full of just backstory like he made, I mean, he went full Tolkien and created like an Elvish language just, you know, for this like hour long campaign, he probably spent like a day and a half making this thing. And I was flipping through this and this must've been like 10, 15, maybe 20 years ago, probably. And I was like, man, this is good. He had like a religion built out. Like he had languages, he had all this stuff. And I was like, oh, Matt, you, you need to write a book, man. It's uh, this is a little ridiculous. 
Um, so I, I picked him based on that. And then, um, you know, like I said, Nicole being writer, um, was able to give really, really valuable input to me. Um, and some of the stuff, like I'd send her chapters and she'd, she would send, she would email me back with, uh, snippets of, you know, some lines from it, some dialogue or something. And she would analyze it like, like an English major. And she would be like, wow, I love these contrasting themes here. And I was like, yeah, uh, yeah, I definitely meant to do that. I totally contrasted those themes, right? <laughs> I was like, oh, man, she's so much smarter than I am. Like, I, she's figuring this stuff out that I didn't even mean to do. Hopefully that means I'm a good writer, but we'll see. <laughs> I mean, were you always a strong writer, just like, say, through high school, university, or... Life. I think so. Um, I was finding, you know, it's funny, like I said, um, going through the boxes of stuff, I actually had, uh, I, I found some ninth grade, maybe eighth or ninth grade paper that I'd written. Um, and it was a, uh, an assignment on a Ursula Le Guin. Uh, it was something like Those Who Walk Away from Omelas, I think was the name of the book or the short story. And it was basically about some dystopia. And it was my two-page uh, essay about the book. And the teacher had written on it. She was like, do you mind if I reprint this and show this to future classes? And I found that the other week. And I was like, wow, I was reading it. I was like, I wrote this? That's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd written stuff for English. And I'd had teachers tell me, um, stick with this writing thing, but it never, ever resonated with me. I was in one ear and out the, out the other, literally. I, I was like, yeah, yeah, okay, writing, got it. I'm going to join the Air Force. So it was, it was never my intention to become a writer, but I think historically, uh, if I were to look back and if I had a, a voiceover, like a Daniel Stern voiceover, like in the Wonder Years, um, I would be calling myself an idiot because I'm like, listen to what they're telling you, be a writer. <laughs> Yeah, you're like the signs are all there and people are like, do this, do this. I mean, it's like, are you, are you happy with the, how, how the timeline has turned out? Yeah. Honestly, I, I think that is my, one of my top regrets now is not having done this earlier. Yeah. Um, a lot of people, but at the same time, I actually, um, I, uh, I actually looked back at, I, had a, like a collection of short stories that I'd started in my twenties. I dug up like on my laptop um, that uh, I somehow completely had forgotten about. And in fact, I'm just remembering it now as I'm talking about it. Um, and I kind of looked back on that and I was like, this uh, it's good writing technically, like the mechanics of it are good, but uh, everything else is just really bad about it. So um, it wasn't, it wasn't as mature as I think my, my writing is. So on the one hand, it's like I could have gone the Christopher Paolini route who wrote uh, Aragon when he was 16. You know, it was like um, I could have maybe done that, but I'm pretty sure it would have been garbage because like, I don't have the life experiences that I have now. Uh, I wouldn't have written the same book, that's for sure, because yeah. um, Gift of the Shaper involves a lot of combat and a lot of battle scenes that I drew on my own knowledge of how combat works. And... Uh, the mindset of a warrior going into battle because, uh, or going on a deployment because I lived those things. So for me, it was very natural and very easy to do. So uh, to answer your question, so I think uh, if I could go back and change things, 
I think I would. I'd tell myself to listen. I'd maybe write a little more. I, I wouldn't necessarily say I need to write a fantasy novel when I'm in my 20s. But um, if I had uh, if I had a time machine, uh, I would go back and tell uh, tell my 22 year old self to maybe pay attention to to writing a little bit more. Yeah, it may, maybe it would have sped up the process. <laughs> I think so with the, with the writing. Yeah, yeah abs- absolutely amazing. I mean, for those. What would you say? I'm sure now you're you're probably getting some comments and feedback from friends and family that you're just like, oh, like I want to write a book, right? Like, <laughs> uh, honestly, I say do it. Um, I never. I I always tell people to pursue it if it's a dream of yours, uh, if it's a passion, because that's something I actually just told my friend the other day. Um, he like tagged me in a post and he's uh, trying to work through writing a book. And he was like, I really respect you uh, for what you've done. And I look to you for inspiration. And I wrote him back and I basically said, do this if it's a passion of yours, because that's what's going to drive you for the two, three, four, five years when you're not getting anything from it. I, I told him like, I don't do this for the fame. Not, I don't do it for the money or the recognition. I do it for uh, my love of writing, which is it's, it's a passion of mine now. Um, and the passion is absolutely what keeps me going. Um, uh, because like I'm still, uh, I, I took time off from my job to do, uh, interviews and stuff like that because, uh, writing doesn't pay the bills for me yet. And, uh, that's something that I'm going to have to face that as a, as a reality. It's like, uh, this is something writing might be my hobby for maybe the rest of my life, but, um, it's the passion that keeps me going, that keeps me driving, uh, going after that goal to eventually become a full-time writer where I can support myself by that. And I always joke and tell people that you know, I have to work to support my writing habit. So I'm going to keep that up as long as I can. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, absolutely amazing. I mean, like that entire, I guess, dialogue right there in itself, right? I, ever since I, l- I launched my entrepreneurship you know, journey, a lot of friends, you know, same thing. They they tell me like, oh, I respect what you do. I want to do that someday. And they're still in their corporate jobs, right? I mean, it's it's definitely safe. And, you know, I tell them like, yeah, like if you really want it that bad and if it's something that you want to pursue, you can definitely do it now. You can balance it, you know, with your full-time job and just do it on the side, no matter how long it takes, right? I mean, you, I'm sure you set off on this journey to not even, you probably weren't even going for an award or anything, right? It's just, nope. Hey, I'm just doing this for my own pleasure, my own leisure, free time. And like you said, for the passion, and then I'll we'll just get it out there and essentially see what happens. Right. And it's just that passion in itself is already emulating through your book and it, it this, it's already carrying you. Right. And you mentioned to me, you published this last year, essentially. Right. And I think just now you're getting recognition. Yep. Yep. Right? Absolutely. Right. It's a slow it's, process. It's been, it's a very slow process. And I can only imagine seeing books on Amazon that gets a lot of that reviews. It's like, how many people have to read these books and the time it takes to read a book for a casual reader, then to decide like to go and review, like the time it takes. Right? It's not like they're buying some Trotsky from Amazon and then just being able to throw up a review right there and then, right? And it's just like, that process is just going to take a long, long time and how many books are going to go out there. So, I mean, definitely kudos to you on being able to truck through two years of writing and, and getting the whole you know process done and just simply putting it out there. I mean, how did it feel for you to even take that picture, post it on Facebook with the whole the end, or even 
getting the book published? I mean, how is that? How is that? Oh, it's, it's absolutely phenomenal. And uh, the cool thing is I actually got to do it again because uh, I just finished the second book in the series uh, about two weeks ago, uh, which was awesome because I gave myself a deadline. Um, and the reason being was uh, January 28th, I started my new job. So I left the Air Force in November um, and I had about a three months uh, window of basically, I was like, all right, I'm going to try this writing thing out. I had about 70% of my second book written. And I was like, if I buckle down, I can finish this thing. And uh, it was crazy because, I mean, it was literally like under the wire. I gave myself, you know, until uh, the 28th to finish it when I started my, my new job. And it was like, I finished it the Saturday. Um, that Saturday, it was like, um, I had a little glass of whiskey. You know, I, I prefer the Hemingway uh, method of writing. <laughs> I had my little glass of whiskey with me and I, was, I, I got to type those words, the end. And it felt so satisfying. I got to do it all over again. And this was the, again, another book that I'd written like almost entirely during deployments and stuff like that. But I got to throttle it back a little and, and find out how I can write, uh, not under duress and not in a combat zone. Um, and hopefully it, it turns out pretty well, but I got the same feeling from the second book. Um, you know, the passion was still there and I would sit down and I would write, um, and when I would finish a chapter, I would get that same sense of overwhelming joy and accomplishment every time I would uh, put the put finishing touches on on one of the chapters. And it was like, um, that's something that I know I'm going to have forever, which is amazing. So you asked me earlier if I if I wish I'd found it, uh, if I wish I'd started writing earlier. And uh, that makes me say, yes, I do, because uh, that passion is something that I hope to experience for the rest of my life. Yeah. How do you keep yourself accountable for you to say like, yes, I, I'm going to work on this chapter uh, instead of get distracted or being home, right? Or hanging out with friends or watching a movie. Or is it that like that, that same pleasure feeling you get from or euphoria from hanging out with a friend, like you get that from writing the book now that that is what you prefer to do within your free time? I definitely have to force myself to sit down and write. Um, and actually, uh, I wrote a, a blog post about this exact topic because uh, it's something that uh, today's world, it's so easy to get distracted. Like I've got Netflix on uh, both of my TVs. I got one in my living room and one in my bedroom, which is like just terrible for me for trying to be productive. Um, but for me, I actually get uh, here's one of the reasons that I wrote a lot when I was deployed. Uh, I get most of my best writing done here in the States when I'm on an airplane too. Uh, for one simple reason, airplane mode on my iPhone. I shut that off and I have, I, I am shut off from the outside world. I get no outside distractions. Um, cause there is always something that you can find to grab your attention. There's Netflix, there's Reddit, there's Imager, there's a million reasons why you can't write this novel right now. Um, but I, I have to be very, very deliberate about it. It's like, uh, all right, I'm going to set aside three, four hours right now and uh, I'm going to write this chapter. And that's really the only way that I can get things done is if I'm like, all right, let's do this. I've set aside some time. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to write tonight. So, um, some of it helps. Like, uh, I, I have introvert tendencies. So it's like, if it's a Friday or a Saturday night, um, I don't necessarily feel like going out to the bar. So that sort of helps. 
Um, but it's like, uh, it's very difficult to juggle a healthy social life as well as someone who has a full-time job and is also a writer. So it's like, you have to make some sacrifices here and there. I'm just like you were saying, it's, it's definitely tough, tough for you. And in the sense that like people can carve that out, those hours out, but then still be distracted with their phone, right? It's like, oh, I need to leave it on just in case I get a, you know, emergency phone call. But, um, you know, I was just thinking about it when you said that it's like, you know, back in the days, like when you're in school or college, it's like you go to the library and you just, you get no distractions, right? Just because you're studying and studying. But I think, I don't know, maybe, maybe people, uh, they do this nowadays. I know I don't, and I, but I've never been a very diligent student. Um, so, you know, to go to a library again, right within their city and to get work done, right. And have a place that they're not going to be, you know, distracted and, and carve that out. So I was just thinking about, like, do people even go to libraries nowadays, you know, anymore, <laughs> or even find a place to have some quiet time. And it's when you bring up the, the airplane thing, cause like, I wish I read more. And it's something that I'm doing now with my accountability group where I promise myself, and this might not seem like a lot to you, but it is for me to read 60 pages a week. Right. Awesome. I, found, <laughs> I found that the only time I can really read is if I'm on an airplane, right? Just because there are so many distractions <laughs> when, when I am in the office or just being at home because I have Netflix or something, it's just easier to relax. Right. But it's like, Oh, once I'm on an airplane, there's nothing else for me to do besides read or sleep. Exactly. Right? Sometimes you can't sleep. So yeah, I mean, that's that in and itself is like what, I love to discover by talking to people such as yourself, entrepreneurs, authors, it's like really get yourself there. Yeah. I mean, it's, we're pretty much close to, to time anyways. Um, but I wanted to see if you had anything that you wanted to, something else you want to share with the audience as well. You know, whether it's your journey, anything, anything, any tips of people who uh, want to write a book, Oh man. Yeah, I definitely, I, I have a thing or two to say. I can speak intelligently on uh, people who want to finish a book um, or finish any really like long uh, and involved process. And it's uh, basically like, you don't want to keep your eye on the prize. You want to, uh, you want to find what drives you and focus on that. For me, it was internal. Um, and it was definitely like, okay, I'm doing this because uh, I, I feel like I'm writing something that's good. And, um, you know, I feel like this is something that people will appreciate. Um, so that was really what kept me going. Um, but it doesn't necessarily have to be something internal. You could definitely focus on an external goal, something that is an external motivator. Uh, I mean, some people do stuff for money and that's fine. Um, but as long as it's what keeps you going, as long as you can focus on that motivator, um, definitely do that. For me, the, the entire process of getting even getting a publisher was, was in, incredibly draining because um, I had to open myself up to, uh, to criticism. I had to, uh, I mentioned beta readers before, and it was, uh, I wanted to make sure that I was telling the best story that I could. So I had to give my book out to my draft manuscript, basically, to uh, about 50 to 100 people who uh, were trusted friends and uh, who could give me good feedback. And it was emotionally draining. It was absolutely like there were moments where I thought I was a failure because I was like, this whole thing needs to be rewritten. I've got this whole chapter that's, um, that I could just scrap and it needs to, and it's intrinsic to the story. So I have to keep it. And it's just like, there were days when I, I would come home and I would tell myself that I would, uh, do some editing and, and 
I just couldn't get off the couch because it was so emotionally draining and difficult for me. But um, eventually I just had to get over it because I knew that uh, it was something that I, I needed to do. So um, I think being in the Air Force really helped me to, to kind of, um, you know, my perseverance and everything. Uh, I told myself that learning Korean was one of the hardest things that I'll ever do. And if I could do that, then I could do anything. And uh, that mentality has basically kept me going. Yeah. It wasn't even <laughs> being in the Air Force is the hardest thing you're ever going to do is learning a, another learning, Yeah. Learning another language was definitely the hardest. <laughs> yeah, so you, yeah, basically you're doing a compare and contrast. It's like, oh, I've done this hard thing and doing something else is just going to make it that much easier. Did you, did you end up ever set like a timeline for you to finish this, the first book, or it was just more of like, I'm just going to go through until I feel like it's, it's done. It was definitely there. I didn't set a timeline. Um, and maybe a more organized or more disciplined person would have, but, uh, I knew this was something that I had to, uh, that was going to take a long time. And sometimes I wouldn't write until I was ready. Um, and in this, uh, in writing the second book, actually, I did set timelines for myself. Um, and I did set goals and I'd be like, all right, I need to write this chapter today. Um, so I'm setting aside this time today to write this chapter. Let's see how it goes. Um, and there was a week, like basically, uh, coming up to starting my new job, the end of January, where I wrote something like, four or five chapters in a matter of seven days, which was absolutely unheard of for me. Um, the first book, I mean, it's 56 chapters I mentioned and oh, it spread out over two years. So you can imagine like that's one chapter every two weeks, basically. So to, to have, to have knocked out those seven chat, those five chapters in, in that week period, it was like, I hope they, I hope they turned out okay. Cause I, I'm not sure if like giving myself a deadline was necessarily good for the quality of the writing, but I, I think I'm pretty happy with it. But uh, basically to answer your question, no, not for the first book. Um, I just wrote when I felt like I was ready. So. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> Absolutely phenomenal journey. I mean, just having that just to get started and, and just to keep going and then ending up getting, you know, your group of three, your brain trust to, help keep you motivated. I mean, that's, that's amazing. I mean, these, these are all things that I'm trying to apply with the business side, right? With, for me right now, I'm an accountability group because entrepreneurship can be just as lonely as like being a sole author. You can launch a business by yourself if you want, but without a team or without people to help support you, you can only get so far, right? Or create a okay business. Um, yeah. So that these are all things that I imagine as you're sharing your story that I incorporate into try to incorporate into to my life as well. So I want to thank you so much for, for sharing that. Um, oh, absolutely. Thanks for the opportunity to it's, it's my pleasure. Yeah. So definitely for everybody out there, um, you know, Dave, you want to share your website and we'll definitely yeah. have that posted on, on the Y factor podcast.com as well for you guys to look up uh, and, and his book as well. Uh, what is the website? It's a uh, dl-jennings.com. So it's uh, basically my pen name, DL Jennings, with a dash in between there because somebody was sitting on dljennings.com and I don't feel like working over the cash that they were asking for it. So <laughs> <laughs> I know, corporate greed. <laughs> what are they even using it for? Yeah, who does that? I know there's another DL Jennings out there. It's like, really, guy? Come on. <laughs>
Well, awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time to share your story with me. Um, I hope everyone here listening in had um, an awesome time listening to, to Dave's story as well. And thank you guys so much for listening to the end. And like I mentioned, everything else that we mentioned here will be posted on the website so you guys can check that out. And uh, we'll see you or talk to you guys next time. Thank you so much for listening until the very end. You can find more information about my guest on the website at whyfactorpodcast.com. I'll provide any links and promo codes that were mentioned in the interview. A full transcription of the interview is also available on the website. Share with your friends and tune in next time for another episode of The Why Factor.